Hey, hey, what's up, my man? Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so glad you're here. I'm about to share with you an interview with some really special friends of mine, Leighton and Chelsea. They are the hosts of Liberator Podcast, and these guys are on a serious mission to set people all around the world free of pornography and to help be- help betrayed spouses, especially betrayed wives, recover as well. And so this was a fascinating interview. They shared their story of how they ultimately overcame betrayal within their relationship, how they were able to get to the other side of it and have a really healthy marriage and all the things in between. You know, we don't just talk about like, okay, when you got to the other side, what did it look like? We actually talk about how did you get to the other side and they got really practical. They were very vulnerable, really transparent. You're going to learn a lot from them. And here's what I really appreciate about Leighton and Chelsea. They're just super down to earth. There's no facade. There's no uh, ulterior motives or hidden agendas. Just you you get what you get with them. And honestly, I, I think their story is going to help uh, the masses. So I, I was just so honored that I got a chance to interview them. Uh, I think they have a great thing going. And I think you're going to learn a lot. Towards the end, if you stick around until then, we got into some more practical things that guys can do to inspire hope in their wives and things that guys can do to preserve their freedom as they start to obtain it. And they just gave some of the best answers I've ever heard on this stuff before. And so I really hope that you'll go uh, check that part out. If nothing else, you can fast, I mean, there's it's timestamped the, in the show notes. So if you want to just fast forward to that, you're welcome to. But uh, seriously, a lot to learn from these guys and a phenomenal story. If you want to be married or you are married, and you need a little shot of hope, you want to hear about other people who have made it through this, and you want to learn how they did it, this is the episode for you, and um, and I think you're going to really learn from it. So without further ado, let's jump in. This is my interview with Leighton and Chelsea. So here's the million-dollar question. How are men like us who work hard, have good motives, and a God-given purpose supposed to fulfill the calling on our lives and the dreams in our hearts? all while establishing sexual integrity, thriving relationships, and a meaningful connection with God? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Sathya Sam. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. All right, well, I'm here with Leighton and Chelsea, hosts of the Liberator Podcast. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you for having us, Sathya. Yeah, we had a really good interview a couple of weeks ago. You guys gave me the honor of being on your show, and now I get to return it and have you guys here. Maybe as a starting point, I think it'd be cool to hear just a little bit about your stories and why you guys are so interested in helping people with the struggles of pornography and everything that's kind of associated with it. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you want me to start? Go for it. Um, so I think my story, I've always heard that struggles of pornography are different for everyone and the same for everyone. So my particular story, I think I was exposed to pornography later than most. I was 13 years old and I grew up without a TV in our home, without internet in our home. It was just, it was a decision that my parents made. They have nothing against TV. We love movies and TV. Like Old Order Mennonite or Amish or nothing <laughs> no, like that? No, I know. Okay. So many times I feel like we've said that and I'm like, oh no, what are people going to think? No, he wasn't. He didn't grow up like that. Okay. Yeah, all so, right. Fair. Exactly. I did grow up on a farm, so I guess you can draw your own conclusions. But <laughs> I was, uh, I remember for me, the first time I was 13, that was the first time I saw soft, uh, softcore pornography. And I know exactly where I was. I was in a friend's basement. We had gone to his house and it was on late night TV. And I think what was different for me than most was porn didn't really get a hold of me again until later in life. I think for most people, it's that first exposure and then it's usually you're just right into it. And I'm very grateful for that because obviously the less time you spend in it, the better for your brain and the better for your brain's healing. But I I made it through most of high school and college without getting back into pornography. And that's not to say that I didn't have any issues with lust or acting out sexually or any of those things. Um, It was more the fact that it didn't involve pornography. And so after college, I moved to Washington, D.C. I was living with my brother and my brother and I's jobs. We had different jobs, built, but both of our jobs involved a fair amount of travel. And so we both be home alone quite a bit. And in that time, it was a new city. I was still getting plugged in. And it was that time. I know exactly where I was. I can remember the absolute memory, um, everything about it when I first saw hardcore pornography 
Um, I don't know exactly how long it was until when I was in DC, but that was really where that started for me and using hardcore pornography. And by that, I mean um, the difference between softcore and hardcore being like the actual visual sexual act being hardcore and softcore being more nudity. Yeah. But for that time, I want to say it was probably a matter of months, maybe into a, a few years that I was in DC that I was consuming pornography in that way. And for me, it was mostly about mitigating stress, mitigating loneliness. And I didn't really realize how much of a grip it was getting. And mm. I had a great church, really strong community. And I knew that it wasn't healthy for me. I definitely didn't know how unhealthy it was as far as the brain science aspect of it. But I knew this isn't something I should be doing. As a lot of people are aware of growing up in the church, you 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 hear all the things and you realize, okay, this is, this is bad. I know this is bad on a moral level and I shouldn't be doing this, but you don't realize how much it's affecting you in your day-to-day -day life. So after, I want to say several months, several years, however long that stretch was, I decided to start making steps. And so I said, okay, I'm going to cut porn out of my life. I cut porn out of my life. And then it was this rational rationalization of, okay, I'm, I can still watch these movies that have sex scenes in them. And that kind of took the place of pornography. And after that, it was, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. And so I'll just I'll look at these magazines or whatever that have racy ads or whatever. And after that, it was looking at things on Facebook or whatever. And so it was this constant putting a Band-Aid over, but I was never addressing the actual issue of lust, the pursuit of images, and acting out sexually. Yeah. And so I would have periods of sobriety where I'd be doing well, but I usually just came back to it. And it wasn't until I met Chelsea and we started dating and we got serious about getting married that there was a moment uh, where I came clean to her. And that was where the actual attempts at sobriety truly began. Yeah. Okay. So I can, do you want to tell your side of yeah. things for a little while? I feel like I've been talking a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we were, we were dating and I think that I asked you about it because I had previously dated a guy that kind of, I had to approach him about it. And he told me, uh, I guess the, the length of how long it, it just was a lot. And I, he wasn't yeah. a believer and anyway, God okay. saved me out of that relationship. But I think for Leighton, there was all of these assumptions. I think there's a lot of assumptions for us as women, especially in the church, because we just think, oh, well, they're Christian men. So morally, they're lining up with what the Bible says. They have almost like a deeper commitment and faith than a lot of the secular world. And so I just assumed because he's a believer, this wouldn't be an issue. Right. And, you know, I, I don't think it was, again, like Leighton said, it wasn't the, the, the grips of pornography when I met him were not they were not very deep and they were not very tight, but there definitely was, um, an area where, yeah, I, I, he, he came clean. And, and by the way, I love this man so much because something that I always tell him is that you came forward to me and you had the strength and the courage right. to tell me about it. There, I, I could have, I could have never found out. I mean, honestly, like this is something of the mind. This is something mm -hmm. that is often secret. And so the fact that looking back now, I witnessed him having the courage to tell me is so huge. And I think going through it at the time, I didn't think it was, but anyone that is going through it currently is listening. Yeah. The fact that your kids, your boyfriend, your husband, your girlfriend, your wife is, is coming to you and has the courage to tell you about it is there's so much strength in that. Yeah, that's a really good point. So, Layson, what was it that made you tell Chelsea? I mean, it's one thing to, I think, no, that's the right thing to do. It's another thing to actually act on it. What, what was the thing that pushed you forward? Yeah. So I was in a position where I wasn't actively using pornography to medicate stress, and I wasn't actively using it on an addictive level. But the root of porn had created this need for images. And mm -hmm. so when Chelsea talked to me about it, in my head, it was, no, I'm not addicted to porn. So I could say at the time with a clean conscience, no, I'm not watching porn. Sure. And 
then I believe it was the next day I was actually in, in church that morning and I was there by myself because I was doing some ushering. But I was standing listening to the sermon. I have no idea what the sermon was, but I had an overwhelming wave of conviction of, yes, you're not watching porn, but you still have this grip of addiction in your life created by porn to seek out images. Hmm. And you can call it by a different name. You don't, you, you know, you're not going to Pornhub or wherever it might be, but you are still acting out of that addiction level of need for images. And so that was the turning point for me of you can call it whatever you want, but at the end of the day, if you still have this buried in your heart, you are not free. And yeah. I'm still bringing, I'm bringing that into my potential marriage with this woman. And I have absolutely no right to do that. And it was yeah. that day that I told her. Wow. Well, hey, kudos to you for doing that. I mean, responding to the Holy Spirit. But I think on a deeper level, like we've all, we've all like on the technicality, we've told the truth, but we kind of know we didn't, you know, whether yep. it's in this yep. area or another. And it really does take a lot of courage and a lot of integrity to come clean and put everything out there. So Chelsea, you're like, you're like, I'm dating a Christian guy. This shouldn't be a problem. Like, I'm sure this was a bit of a surprise maybe when it came up. What what did you feel? What were your responses like when Leighton broke the news to you? Man, confusion for sure. Because yeah. I thought we had covered it. Like in a weird way, I was like, I I checked my box, right? Like, okay, we checked the box. He's good. He's clean. Awesome. I'll move on to maybe the next box that, you know, I'm looking at my, I guess, list. I didn't have a list, but my list of <laughs> I think we as women, there are things that, you know, before we get married, we, that we look for, that we desire. And then I think that that pretty quickly transitioned to, I think the typical feelings that women feel, which you're, I thought I was enough, right? Like I thought me as a person was enough. I thought I was pretty enough. I thought I was fun enough. All of these things of, of no, I don't necessarily complete you, but I just figured that I, I, you didn't have to do that because you were with me. And so a lot of insecurity started creeping in for me, a lot of doubt about specifically body image things. I really struggled with that and, um, just feeling like, Everywhere I went, I felt like everywhere I went was almost this kind of battlefield where I had never experienced that before. I, I'm mm-hmm. not at all arrogant or cocky, but I think I did have a confidence to me of, of who I was and secure in that. But it felt like if we go to a restaurant, is there a pretty girl that will walk by? Is that going to be a trigger if we watch a movie and there's a sex scene? I mean, it just felt like the ground everywhere it just wasn't safe and stable for me. And that was really hard to work through. Yeah, no kidding. So how did you work through that? You know, I I think a lot of people focus on the person that is addicted or that is struggling or that has a stronghold of lust, pornography, um, whatever it may be. But there were also a lot of things that God had to clean out of my life too. I know from from speaking to so many friends in and peers and mentors that women, we put a lot of our identity in men and what they say about us. And I didn't realize that even pre-marriage, and it's something I still struggle with, right? Because I'm a dependent person and I'm I was made to be his helper. And I had to kind of really work through that it's really important for my identity to be rooted in who God says that I am and not who Leighton says that I am. And I think right. by his actions, it felt like he was telling me I wasn't measuring up or I wasn't enough, even though he would never feel that way. But that was something that I needed to search and I needed to really kind of just study and learn about who who am I. And regardless of whatever Leighton does or says, or anyone else, it shouldn't matter. It, I, I should not waver in who God says that I am. And that was really something that I needed needed to deconstruct. And I'm sure a lot of women, I mean, out there, we struggle with body image and identity. It's it's really it's really difficult to be. Yeah. 
Oh, no kidding. Yeah. And I, and I know, I mean, this is not the first story we're hearing where, you know, the woman is processing that. I think a lot of the guys even listening can probably resonate to some extent of their wives who do, those whose wives are aware of their struggle, going through some of those similar doubts and questions about themselves and their body and everything else. So, okay, you guys are, are dating or engaged when this, this conversation happens? We were just dating, yeah, just for okay. a few months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, I so was, we're planning on getting married. I was setting aside money for the ring. Yes, yeah, you were. Okay, so <laughs> uh, so things are heading in the right direction. You guys hit kind of like a pretty uh, a pretty big conversation here, Chelsea. You're reeling like you can kind of feel the difference in the security or stability of the relationship. Layton, obviously, I'm sure this was uh, maybe some added emphasis of like, man, I need to get this thing sorted out. I want to marry this girl. Uh, is there a point that you guys can remember, you know, whether dating, engaged, or maybe it was when you're married, where things felt stable again? And and like so Chelsea, for you, you felt like, okay, there's like I'm getting I'm getting my sense of security back. And Leighton, for you, you felt confident, like I can I could legitimately tell her like this is not a problem and I'm not skirting around the issue on a technicality. Man, uh, you know, Leighton recently celebrated a birthday. And I wrote in his card. So we're, we're about five years into marriage. So almost six years. Okay. And I, I don't at all want to say this to where I, I want to give people kind of a false hope or I finally feel safe again, like completely safe again. Mm. There were so many things that Leighton did steps, but we have to remember like trust and security. Those are really big items to build. Those are big foundations. And so just saying you're sorry, just saying, okay, I'm working towards this. I would love to sit here and say that it was a media. I would love to sit here and say his plan of action, which I'm sure he'll get to it, it improved and it just kind of wiped everything away, but it just didn't because there was a lot of deep work and there was a pretty deep void in me also that needed to be repaired. So, I mean, it, it was a while. I mean, you can probably attest to what. I think that I can tell when you are feeling safe on, in a general sense, based on some of the conversations we have and the looks that Chelsea gives me (laughs) for the the first few (laughs) years, there'd be times where I'm sure every, everyone who's struggled through lust and pornography has, has experienced a moment where you generally didn't do something wrong and you were accused of doing something wrong. And those were really difficult moments because you finally feel like you're doing, you're doing it right. And you feel like you've been wronged now, but it's your, it's your mistakes. It's your sin. That's hurt this person. That's put them in a vulnerable state. So I feel like I could tell that Chelsea was feeling more safe, probably a couple of years into the process because those conversations where we'd have in public, or watching something um, would be less and less. I And I would say, sorry, I would say consecutively, like safe, mm-hmm. like morning to night, months long. At the beginning, I think when we were starting to repair things, I was really, I was, I was just really taken aback at how serious he took this. And yeah. so it wasn't all the time. I just really want to, I, again, don't want to make someone feel like they there's no hope. And oh my gosh, Chelsea's sitting here saying this was six years in. I can't even, I can't do six years. It wasn't okay. Six years until the starting point. The starting point was pretty, pretty soon after he was like, I'm taking this really seriously, regardless if we stay together. Yeah, that's fair. I don't want to make it sound like we were just constantly on the ground fighting or anything. It was not like that at all. And I think that within several weeks, probably we were able to get back into a a healthy rhythm with our relationship it was just that there was this hurt under the surface that could come up unexpectedly through situations that we couldn't control like chelsea said in public that you just have to be very patient and careful with yeah okay so i have two questions for chelsea one is on behalf of the single guy and one's on behalf of the husband or the married guy so on behalf of the single guy why why didn't this stop you from marrying Leighton? And I think you made a great choice. I'm not actually questioning the decision. Oh, I know I, I did, yeah. But, I, you know, I'm <laughs> just... I guess, <laughs> I guess I'm just curious, you know, um, some guys in their heads are probably thinking, if I were to ever tell 
a girl that I really cared about that I have this struggle or that I have had this struggle, it would be a deal breaker. Like if, if it's anybody really knew about my past or if they knew who I really was, they wouldn't love me. They wouldn't accept me. They wouldn't see me the same way. Why didn't this deter you from ultimately getting married to him? Man, uh, that's a great question. <laughs> I think, I think immediately my response would be that how serious he took it. You know, he, he took initiative and he sat me down and he was honest. And then he also walked me through his plan. I, there were no requirements of requirements of me. He didn't ask yeah. anything of me. He, well, I guess the one thing he did ask of me are at this point, I think you were thinking we're not going to be together. Like right. you thought you lost me, but you, st he still asked, this is what I'm going to do. Are there anything pretty much that you would add to this? So that really oh. took me by surprise because to me, I, I tell him all the time, I'm like, that was a man move. Like you, that is a man in my eyes to take responsibility, mm -hmm. accountability, and then also to say, I am going to work so hard at this. Um, it just, that really, really took me by surprise. But something that someone said to Lee in a mentor was that not only is Jesus your father, but he's your father-in-law. And I think the same thing could be applied to me. Hmm. I think that I had an opportunity to be Jesus to Layton. And again, I know, I know we were dating and I know this is different for dating and, and married. And I, I guess I will get to that, but I think Layton got to experience Jesus's forgiveness through me. And it was not of my strength. It was completely of, of his, but I think that anybody that is walking in shame and I'm so terrified and I'm so afraid. I think that I guess I can't control what, what another person would say, but I, I guess I encourage someone that is listening that if someone does confess to you, it's an opportunity. It really yeah. is. It It yep. is an opportunity. And regardless, if you feel called that to stay with that person because I didn't think I was supposed to stay with Leighton. I had heard years prior that if you are dating someone, you have to break up because he's dating someone else. And so that's what I thought I had to do. Mm. And I just think it's such a complex issue that it just depends on how they're approaching it. But my heart, I have so much compassion the more that I've learned about this struggle that a lot of the times men or women are entangled. And that means that they can't just completely just take it off. They, they're entangled. There's so many layers to it. Yeah. Oftentimes they're trapped. And so I wish when Leighton did confess to me, I didn't act out in hurt. I didn't act out in anger. It wasn't until eventually that I feel like I was starting to apply Jesus's love for him because he was already, he was already feeling horrible. Yeah. Um, and so I just, I think it's an opportunity. Yeah. Okay. Perfect segue into my second question, which is when I've observed couples like you guys who have gone through this and come out on the other side, if I can put it that way, where the marriage is healthier than it was before, the relationship's stronger, you guys are better off. You're able to kind of leverage those challenging moments as opportunities, like you were saying. The one thing that I observe in common is usually both parties involved take responsibility for their part it's it's never like oh this is his issue and once he gets it sorted our marriage will be good again or there's none of that and i guess chelsea i'm just curious did you learn that did you have to grow into that uh instinctively were you like okay i know he's got his stuff but it looks like there's some stuff i need to deal with as well how did you come to that realization and and what was it that actually i i don't know i i guess i'm just i'm impressed by it because i think it'd be so easy to just um to just kind of put paint Leighton into the corner of like, he's got to yeah. get his stuff figured out. Did you, did you have that wherewithal? Did somebody help you reach that place? How, what was that mm -hmm. process like for you? Yeah, certainly. I actually, the reason, part of the reason why we wanted to start our podcast liberator is because I didn't feel like there were any resources or any direction or help with the other person that I, I've heard the comment of the betrayed, you know, the person that, is walking with someone that is struggling with this type of addiction or struggle. There were, there, there just was, there was nothing. 
And I remember, so I didn't really have anybody to talk to. And I didn't want to talk to anyone because I thought, oh, I would be betraying him even. I, I thought I can't talk about this because this is embarrassing and nobody's talking about it one. So if I go tell a friend or if I go, you know, seek counsel on this, I'm almost exposing something that's really hurtful for him. So I, the one person that I did talk to, I remember it was one of my friends and she's such a godly woman. And she told me, she was like, Chelsea, if, if you think that you're going to find a man that doesn't struggle with this or that there isn't kind of levels of this type of some, whether it's all the way up here to, you know, deeply addiction to, addicted to pornography all the way down here where they just maybe struggle with lust. There's not going to be any men left in the church. And <laughs> that was really impactful for me. That actually shifted my perspective because again, I think my faith and my walk with Christ was still pretty lukewarm. So I just thought, well, if you're a Christian, of course you wouldn't struggle with this. Right. And so that really opened my eyes because she, she was, I'll just be honest. She was more godly than I was <laughs> um, <laughs> at that time. And so that really helped me forge a path of, okay, maybe he's not that bad. Hmm. Yeah. I think you're describing maybe the very early stages of recognizing that sin is sin. Yeah. And I'm yeah. very, I, it doesn't feel like it to me because I feel like lust and sexual sin are way worse. And I wish that it was something else, right? Sure. Uh, I wish that it was different because I just hate having that in my life. But I think Chelsea coming back to me after that conversation and approaching me, there was definitely a switch that had flipped in how she spoke to me after that conversation. And there was a lot of grace and understanding. And she articulated it much differently later i think as the process continued yeah, like months later yeah it was in that moment yeah. it was like that first seed of <laughs> sin is sin and we all need forgiveness and i definitely felt that even though you weren't ready to articulate it yet yeah and i think it was first humility on his part he was so he was so honest he was so humble he was so ready and willing to take accountability and I think that just like hit me like a brick I'm brick wall. That was just so shocking. And then I think that allowed me to have humility for him. But again, guys, it was months. Like I, again, like Leighton said, it just kind of randomly, I think they're called triggers. Like it would just happen. And I, it honestly, Sophia, it wasn't until a year in, I want to say. And we were married at that point. Yep that I started to realize God had work to do on my heart because I think yeah. what I was noticing was when those triggers would happen, I would always blame Leighton. He would always be the source. He would always be the one that was in control of those triggers. Right. And after a while, I was like, no, like these are things that are deep down in me that I have control over. So I need to start doing work. So it was yeah. def it definitely was not immediate where I'm like, oh, well, this happened to me, right? This happened to me. Oh, I'll start doing work on myself. It wasn't like that. Yeah, no, and I appreciate the honesty. I, I would have to imagine that to be the case. We had a, a coach who works with be uh, betrayed partners exclusively, and she talked about how her mission is to basically have her clients go through a process where they reach a point where even if their husband continued to watch pornography, they could still be regulated and relatively secure and all that kind of stuff. And that's kind of what I hear you articulating uh, and uh, and you had your own process with it, but that's, that's really, really amazing. Talk to me a little bit about Liberator Podcast. So you guys have set out to not just have the story in your local community, but man, you made a freaking podcast around it. That's a pretty big deal <laughs> and a pretty bold move. Uh, what, what was the inspiration behind some of the stuff you guys are up to now? And what are you, what are you seeing God do with your story? And, and the reason I'm asking is because a lot of the listeners are maybe a little bit further behind in their story. And it's so helpful to hear that. I mean, they're probably a little bit exhausted of hearing my story. So I'm excited oh, that they get man. to hear a different, a different story here where God has used you guys, your own individual journeys and your collective journey to now impact a ton of people. You guys have such a good thing going on. Uh, Tell us just a little bit about the podcast and what you guys are hoping to accomplish there. So the podcast was Chelsea's brainchild. 
And she can tell that part of the story better than me. But I believe it was probably over a decade ago that it was, the seed was first planted that she was listening to uh, V-Log back when those were a thing. <laughs> do you remember oh, that? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do remember that. Sorry, Gen That's a blast Z. from the past right there. Yeah. Uh, by <laughs> Jeff and Alyssa Bethke where they're talking about pornography. And that, Chelsea, that was yes. before me. That was with a different guy she was dating. And that was the first time she'd heard someone talk about pornography being a sin and being damaging to your health. And she had that seed planted. And then probably two, three years into our marriage, we were going to a different church with some friends that we were visiting. And the pastor spoke about calling. And Chelsea talked to me after the service about how she just felt like a spotlight on her and God telling her, you're going you're gonna to speak to the masses about this. Dang. And she told me that. And I was like, great. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, porn guy. Thanks. <laughs> so excited for you. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was a few years of working on things and God working on my heart and just kind of developing what we want it to look like. And back in February, we officially launched and the Ivy Media team were kind enough to add us to their network. And they've been so wonderful so cool. and supportive. Yeah. And so the goal, I think, came out of the fact that as Chelsea said previously, she didn't feel like there was that community and resources for her. And I was able to go find resources because I was looking for them. But I understand that for a lot of people, either they don't know where to look or they don't feel like there are any or they feel like they're alone. And so we wanted to create a podcast that was both a man and a woman, both someone who had consumed pornography and someone who had been betrayed and hurt by it so that there could be just this full approach of opinions on different people that we get to interview and that we can also hopefully point people towards resources. We want people to feel safe and feel a sense of hope and then also be able to know where to look where yeah. they can find help. If there's a particular person who speaks to them or if there's a resource that they think I need that, that's what would be really helpful for me. We want to be able to point people to those so that they have what maybe Chelsea didn't have or what you didn't have or, or you. I didn't have. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm grateful the conversation continues and is more and more public, but we still have a lot of work to do in that area. Yeah. Yeah. Chelsea, you want to add anything? What was like that moment when you felt like the spotlight was on you? Did you envision a podcast or how did you decide this is what you were going to do? I had no idea. I had absolutely no idea. You know, I think through the years I had prayed through it. And the only, the best way I can describe it is there was just this burning fire shut up in my bones. Mm. And throughout the years, God had just revealed little breadcrumbs. It was not, it was not a whole loaf. And <laughs> it wasn't until I actually lost my job. I was working in ministry and late and I came home from that, of course, just distraught. And Layton's like, you're not going to, you're not going to find another job. You are going to finally obey and you're going to pursue this. And so that Come kind on. of gave me permission to pursue liberator and the floodgates just came open. I mean, I, I could see that step 10. I could, I had that vision of like the end product, but yeah. I just, the Lord was slowly and slowly opening doors left and right. And it just, it just showed God's faithfulness that all that we have to do is actually just say yes. Yeah, Like I, that's actually all I did. I just obeyed at every single you know, stop in the road. And he just was like, okay, here's another open door. And I would just continue to just abide and be with him. And I look back and, oh my, the humble beginnings. It started off with like this laptop, Leighton works in geology. So it was this like massive dinosaur laptop. We didn't have, <laughs> you know, I just lost my job. So we didn't have a lot of money to buy this, you know, fancy computer. And sure. so that's where Liberator started. And it's just, it goes to show, it reminds me of the widow that She's like, I don't have any bread. You know, I don't have anything to feed this person. And he's like, look at your hands. You have oil and you have flour. And I just, mm. that was a moment where I just was able to look at what God had given me instead of thinking I need to start, you know, have all this fancy equipment and do all the things. And he just, he provided all of it. I mean, you just have to obey and, and be in step with him and not get ahead of him. And yeah, he's just, he's blowing our mind, man. Yeah, that's amazing. What's it been like doing it together? I'm I'm asking personally now because my wife and I, when we dated, so my wife and I, we're both uh, recording artists, worship leaders, all that kind of stuff. 
And so we used to like write songs together when we dated and it was so bonding and it felt like we just like made gold every time we did something. And as soon as we got married, every anytime we've tried to write, we just end up fighting. <laughs> like we oh. just cannot, we can't figure <laughs> we it out. You, man. I, I, I don't um. know what it is, but how, how have you guys found like doing this together? What's it been like? Um, cause you, I guess you're putting your story out on the airwaves. Uh, mm-hmm. and that, I mean, that part is pretty cool actually, I, I think at least, but, uh, what's it been like just doing this together and, um, trying to spearhead a, something kind of brand new, I guess. Yeah. You know, going through it last year, I went through a refinement period. I think that I've, I've described it as I didn't think I was a controlling person. I didn't think that I was a prideful person and by this world <laughs> standards, anybody looking at me, they wouldn't think that, but. I see now how God was preparing me and really refining me through that. It was painful, but it was necessary. And so I see how God was preparing us even to work together. And I think that, yeah, you just have to constantly, constantly look at the other person as your teammate always. And remember, it is not a flesh and blood. The battle is not there. And looking at him as an asset instead of something that's holding me back, getting in my way, because I'm a visionary. I'm like, oh, let's go. I, I have all these goals. Give me a whiteboard. I'll write it all out. <laughs> Leighton is more of an integrator, He he, which is so good, right? Like I look at yes. that and I'm like, what a beautiful pairing. Yeah. But it's been interesting. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> to all the integrators out there, yeah, there can be this seed of bitterness. It's like, well, that's great. You have a vision and now I have to do it. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, we love it. It's a great it's a phenomenal pairing. And I think that the fact that we have had some difficulties as far as communication and making it work and going into basically almost like a business or a ministry together, there are those difficulties. But the great thing is, I feel like as we work through them and stay united, it's making our overall marriage stronger too. And so Chelsea and I, I don't know how you and your wife are, but I feel like the hardest days of our marriage are always recording days. And so Chelsea and I just oh good we're not the only ones yeah. fantastic yeah. Yeah. oh bro no no so like the night before we just tell each other like all right gloves up tomorrow's gonna be tough so we're on the same team get them up there be prepared for it let's do this thing yeah yeah and that's that good helps. yeah yeah and yeah. there's always of course anybody working in ministry in ministry or even walking in sync with the Lord and obeying you know what His purpose and calling is for you we also know there's an adversary and we know that there's spiritual warfare so. That has been awesome feeling like I'm not isolated and alone just doing this by myself. I have someone else. I have low moments. I have low points where I'm just like, I don't want to do it anymore. Is it worth it? Is this making a difference? And it's so awesome to have this guy next to me where I have those low moments to say, no, this is, this is worth it. We're making a difference and to pray over. I mean, it's, it's awesome. It is hard, but it's awesome. Yeah, no, that's really powerful. I I love that. So let me ask you, because um, Leighton, you said something earlier that kind of got my my wheel spinning a bit. You were de- you were sort of defining um, soft core versus hardcore pornography, mm. and I was making me think about how that line just seems to move further and further down the path as time goes on. Like yeah. what people consider to be soft and vanilla now is what we probably would have considered um, to be hardcore back in the day. And if you talk to the generations previous to us, you know they would they would pull the line even a little bit closer. And um, I guess I'm wondering, um, just maybe on a broader level, what trends are you guys observing in your audience, the people that you're talking with, or the you know, people that are reaching out? What are some of the common issues people run into? What are some of the things that you feel like you're maybe saying on repeat because it seems to be happening again and again? Is there anything in particular that's really been standing out and grabbing your attention lately? I think the biggest thing is how much more it's affecting children. And that's something I'm sure you're aware of is that these, these things are targeting kids. And the sad fact of it is, is that this is a business and people who create porn know that if you get someone younger, that you're going to have them for life. Yeah. So people can say whatever they want about how they're against it. But at the end of the day, you see these ads coming through TikTok and Instagram and Xbox or whatever video game system kids have. There are continually pornography integrating and infiltrating things that affect younger kids. And as far as maybe the the substance of pornography, I think that just like you said, it just gets it goes further and further down the road. You can find literally anything about. I mean, if you if you think of it, then someone's probably made it. And yeah. I think that's just our nature as human beings and the nature of pornography is that 
the old vanilla things will no longer satisfy. And that the thing, just like I said, what I described as softcore pornography back when I was 13, now people would probably say like, oh, that's educational material. Yeah. yeah, it's It's just the human anatomy and you just didn't like the way it was described. But it's just we as human beings have an endless ability to uh to sink the depths of our depravity and to fulfill whatever new desires our brain is seeking so yeah i hope that those trends will be reversed and i pray that those trends will be reversed and i i'm i do see hope in the fact that i think that even in the secular world there are people recognizing this is a very real health crisis yeah and so I see that and I, I pray that people act on that because it does seem to be if we leave this unchecked, it will continue to seek children younger and younger and the content will continue to become more and more intense and depraved. Yeah. 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 Chelsea, how about you? What what do you observe? Um, or, you know, even when you're talking with women who are going through betrayal themselves, what are things that you're having to talk them through on a pretty regular basis? Yeah. Yeah, I would say probably the most responses that we get are from women, which for me, that's hard just because I have so much compassion or so much empathy, I guess. And that's hard to think other people are going through what I went through and honestly, even way worse. Some of these stories that we hear, um, it, it just kind of, in a weird way, it fuels me. Like I... I just get so offended that the enemy is still trying this crap. Like I just get fired up in a way of like, no, like you are not going to continue to go after these women like this, go after these kids or even go after these men, like enough is enough. And I think I just have this almost like fighter in me. That's just like, no, like I want I want God to the work that he's doing through us. I want him to have this level of of ownership over this re- either relationships over parenting. It just honestly it fires me up and I feel like I just have this if it wasn't that burning fire within me, I yes, I'm sure we would we would have been done a long time ago, but there's yeah. so many people out there that need a community that need to feel safe and primarily need to feel hope because that's the one thing that I remember feeling. And I think that we hear from a lot of people is I don't know if this is going to end, get better. I don't know if we're going to be free. I don't know if there's healing that's possible. And that just is such a lie. And that's exactly where the enemy wants you. He wants to obviously already be a part of the destruction of the relationship or of, you know, a union. And then he doesn't even stop there. It's like, okay, well now I'm going to completely annihilate them and their hope. And as we know, Christ is our living hope. I mean, Mm. just the fact that he was resurrected is enough to show us that he is powerful and that he walks with us. And it is hard. It is scary to just can, you know, continue to walk in this, but man, oh man, like the stories about the hardship just completely get washed away by the immense just volume of people that are finding freedom. Mm. And I think the fact that we're standing here and we can absolutely testify, there is so much hope. This is not your forever. This is just a, this is not going to be your forever and you are not alone. There is this bonding experience, I think, that I'm sure that you've experienced and a lot of your listeners have that in a weird way, it almost bonds us that, oh, that's your story too. Even though it's painful to hear that somebody else is struggling that way, there's this connection and there's this community. And that's just what we we really hope that people just don't feel alone. Yeah, I think that's amazing. The emphasis on community is so needed. It's needed for the guys and it's needed for the women. I think women admittedly are much better at just naturally integrating into community. It feels like you have to bribe and incentivize guys to do stuff like that, but um, but it is really valuable. Uh, I'm uh, Just a follow-up question to that. So let's say you have a couple who, you know, some th- this has surfaced. The struggle has surfaced. The woman feels betrayed. The guy feels terrible and is now kind of in like mover mode, like I'm going to like do whatever I can to fix this and to salvage the marriage. 
you mentioned hopelessness and how important it is for people to find hope first, obviously in Jesus. Um, and I guess I'm just wondering, is there anything that a guy can do or things that maybe a guy shouldn't do to fuel hope in that, that or er, those early stages when they're trying to just get things mended together. And, you know, often I think what happens is the guy, the guy in the back of his head is like, I don't know if we're going to survive this. And um, he's still going to do everything he can. Like usually guys get sprung into action. Whereas I think for the women, women tend to pull away a little bit more. Um, they have the same doubt, but there tends to be more of this like hesitation. Like, I don't know if I can trust you. I don't know if I feel safe around you. I don't know if this is worth giving any of my heart to you when this actually might fail in the long run. What can guys do? Obviously, other than, you know, pursuing freedom, we'll just assume that's a given. Are there things that guys can say or do? Uh, or like I said, maybe not say and not do that will help inspire hope in their wife? I mean, you did it right. So I'm going to let you take that. <laughs> well, you, you were the one who received well I can tell, I guess, my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And then you can follow sure. up because you were the one who received it. I think that proactive positivity and affirmation were very well received by Chelsea. Hmm. And I won't get too deep into the weeds on the planning, et cetera, because you guys have a great system and you can coach guys on that. But as far as my plan, what what was effective was the fact that I was communicating to Chelsea why it was important, what I was doing, hmm. and that regardless of how she reacted, I was going to do it because I needed to be free for me. And for my relationship with Jesus. And I think that it might sound like guys might think I've got to tell my wife, I'm going to get free for you. And that's part of it. Like, I don't want to hurt Chelsea anymore. But if you're getting free for another person, then your freedom in a lot of ways is hinging on that other person that puts a ton of pressure on Chelsea. Dang, and then right. there can be that bitterness that builds up where it's like, I want to go to this movie, but there's this scene in it and I know I shouldn't. And then I get this bitterness of like, Chelsea, because because of her, I can't go see this movie or I can't go to this <laughs> thing that I wanted to do. Right. True. And so it's not about and I want to be free for her, but I have to be driven by the need to be free of pornography because I need to be free of pornography hmm. because pornography is a poison to my soul. And therefore, that can bless Chelsea. And I think that that was a really important step for me. And the way that I communicated it made her feel safe. And just on a day-to-day -day basis, um, there, are, there are some little things that you can do as well, I think, to affirm your significant other. Like, I just told her, hey, if, if you're ever not home or if you're asleep, I'm just not going to watch anything. And that kind of evolved into over time, she said, hey, this is okay. And so now, even now, I'll still text Chelsea. If she's not home, be like, hey, I'm going to turn on friends or whatever. And that's cool. it might seem silly to some guys. And it is a little bit, but it, at the same time, it's like, it's such a small step for me. Yeah. And it, it communicates to Chelsea when she's away. Oh, Leighton is even now making me safe. It's worth it to him to make me feel safe. And I think that there are those little things that you can do in your own life. There's the big things, like you said, the freedom seeking, but there's also those aff aff affirming things that you can do for your person. Yeah. That you're showing them that they matter and that you are making them safe every day. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say also to a guy out there or a woman that is struggling, find somebody like find an account. It doesn't necessarily have to be an accountability partner right away, but I would say for Leighton, he reached out to someone and pursued a man that he knew of in our church that specifically has walked this with other men or, you know what, just, just call up the most godly man you know or call up your your pastor and just say hey i i really need help in this area do you recommend someone because there might be someone that's working behind the scenes that not a lot of people know about there might be a group there might like whatever it is in what you're ready for um that might be available and so not do going at it alone is so important we had a person on our um actually the episode aired today and he was talking about how there was just this guy. He was he was the most godly man he knew, and he just came up to him and he's like, "Hey, let's just go through, 
let's just meet once a week. And it turned into this beautiful thing. He didn't lead a group. He wasn't a pastor. He just was someone that came alongside him and walked Mm. through it. And so I think that was crucial for Leighton. That man eventually turned into his accountability partner and has been an incredible blessing to our marriage, knowing that not only can I can I trust the process, but I also trust the person that Leighton is walking with. And so I felt like that was almost an added layer of protection. But on a smaller, more daily, kind of applicable something that you can do, just gentleness. That was so important. I think even mm. my bad days where I did feel really insecure and I did want to, you know, accuse Leighton of something, he was gentle with me. He was understanding, looking at me as a wounded person and not as someone that's coming to attack you and bring you down. He just displayed that so beautifully. And that meant so much to me because I think if he came at me and said, why are you acting this way? Nothing happened, you know, had a bad reaction to it. It wouldn't, he wouldn't be actually speaking to what I think I was trying to communicate to him, which was that fear. And so him being gentle and understanding was huge. And not that you didn't ask this, but I do want to throw in something for the person that is feeling betrayed. I think it's also so important for for you. So for example, for me as a woman to find the most godly woman that I know, and she doesn't even have to have this in her past, struggle with this, um, even walk with somebody, you know, previously with this, just finding someone that is a godly woman to walk through this with you too, because you also deserve to not feel alone and to have community and to be surrounded by love and prayer. Guys, those were amazing answers. Honestly, that was that was worth the interview that in of itself. So thank you for that. Uh, let me ask you, Leighton, you actually mentioned this. Uh, I'm so glad you touched on it, how even still, so you got this like amazing birthday card from Chelsea. She finally feels fully safe again after all these years. Like you guys have really like uh, reached, a, a, I mean, clearly a major turning point and it's pretty incredible. What are things that you guys are doing now that are, I guess, a bit more on the preventative side or what are the things that you guys have in balance to protect the marriage and to just keep things relatively healthy and stable so that they don't veer off again? Great. Um, so I have, as I mentioned, I have accountability partner. I meet with them every week and we, our accountability is not just on lust and pornography, although those are the major things. That's how we started, sure. but we do something really positive as well. So it's not just like a shame-based, like, hey, did you screw up? Nope. Okay, great. See you next week. It's a, we go through a book together because we both love to read. So we'll do a little life update. We'll kind of check in, see how everyone's doing. We'll talk about the book we're going through. And then we'll do the accountability piece. And that's part of it. And we'll also do prayer requests. But the accountability side of things, it's not just a, how'd you do this week? It's also a, we're deep diving what's behind any potential slip-ups or, hey, I think I'm getting a little wobbly in this area. And then we'll deep dive. Why do you think that is? Because we don't ever want to be complacent and it just to become a negative thing of removing something from our life. We also want to get at the roots and make sure we're building in positive things. Hmm. So that's probably the biggest thing. But we also we have accountability software just to have that extra layer of safety for Chelsea. And I don't know if she even looks at it anymore. I have someone else that goes to have an accountability partner. But then Chelsea also has access to it. And so that's just so that she knows if she ever needed to, she could go to it. It's cool. just that another thing that we do for her. And as far as red lines in our life, we do have things that are never going to change as far as red lines where there are things that I talk to my accountability partner about. And that's a lot of the the minutiae, the daily things, the things that it would be a huge burden for Chelsea to hear. Yeah. Uh, but there's also the things that if I ever do these things, I have 24 hours to tell Chelsea and that is an absolute non-negotiable part of our marriage so that she knows that she always has that 24 hour period where if something were to have happened, she would hear about it. Yeah. Love that. Cool. And Chelsea on your end, is there, uh, obviously not, it's, it's a little bit different, but are there anything that, anything that you're aware of in the marriage that you're making sure you guys do regularly or those kinds of things, or even just to keep your own heart in check as you guys continue on? Oh yeah. I think, we Leighton touched on it a little bit earlier, but my heart also has grown so much softer to him in this area. Understanding, yes, that sin is sin. 
And maybe my anger, maybe my control, maybe my pride or other areas that I struggle in is no different than this sin that he struggles with. And so I Mm -hmm. think looking at him from a lens of also a wounded, imperfect person and telling myself it isn't actually, it's not about me. And that's something maybe I should have said way earlier is that regardless of what Leighton does, it's not a reflection of me. I didn't do anything to deserve that. I didn't do anything to prevent that because it's just, it's never been about me. And so looking at it from that lens, it almost takes the pressure off of me and the weight off of me of feeling like I need to do these things, say these things, look this certain way. It it just kind of detaches a little bit. And so looking at him with a lens of compassion, along with finding comfort, knowing that I'm going to keep doing what I feel the Lord is really taking me, you know, on a journey with, and I'm going to continue that sanctification process, regardless of if Leighton comes to tell me something, I look to the Lord for my comfort, who he, you know, my identity. And I look at him even sometimes as a brother in Christ and knowing that how I was made is to be a helper for him. And so I want to build him up. I want to, you know, speak words of encouragement into him. I want to tell him, hey, I'm your teammate. We're going to attack this together. I'm not going to attack you. We are going to fight this together because we are one and we have a union. And so this is just, this is a, an, a you know, an arrow coming at us in our union, not Chelsea. Yeah, that's so good. Guys, this has been amazing. I feel like we could go for another hour here and it'd be so easy. Yeah, uh, I would. For people who want to know more about the podcast and check you guys out, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, they can check us out on, we're on Spotify and Apple. Um, it's just Liberator Podcast with Chelsea and Layton. And we have our website, liberatorpodcast.com. Uh, there's an option in there to contact us. We would love to hear from you. Our episodes are also on there along with Instagram and Facebook, just Liberator Podcast. Okay. Yeah. We'll put links to all that in the show notes. In the meantime, guys, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Sophia. This was a lot of fun. All right. Well, there you have it. That was my interview with Leighton and Chelsea, the founders and the hosts of Liberator Podcast. Guys, go check out their episode. I mean, you if you resonated with anything they just said, or you got the gist of what these people are like, you will love their podcast. And hey, they even interviewed me if you want to go check that out. Although there's probably nothing new there for you, but uh, but they have some other really cool guests as well. So go check them out. And in the meantime, if you're hearing this and either you're a single man and you want to be married one day and maybe now you're starting to realize how important your recovery really is or you are a married person and maybe your marriage is on the rocks. Maybe this is the last hope and you need to make one last move to try to salvage this thing. Well, I'd love for you to strongly consider Deep Clean. We have helped hundreds of men, single and married and in between alike, quit porn, get their relationships back and step into everything that God has called them to be. I've had the chance to share the deep clean philosophy to over a hundred thousand people. It's been on national television. This is something that we stand by and that leading experts are standing by as well. And uh, there's no cost for you to find out more about what we do. We don't charge for our calls. All you have to do is just book a strategy call with us. We want to understand your situation. And if we feel like we can help you, Then we can tell you about the program where, yes, there are some charges for that. But for you to find out more and to just sit with one of my, uh, somebody on my team, all you have to do is click the link in the show notes, book a call. We'd love to sit down and speak with you. We made some major improvements to our program recently as well. And so what we're offering now is just uh, like absolutely next level and guys are getting free uh, an unbelievable amount and uh, in a very short span of time. It's been really cool to witness. So uh, I know you're going to really benefit from it. Link is in the show notes. The program's called Deep Clean. And in the meantime, if maybe you have a buddy who's struggling or whose marriage is on the rocks, he needs an injection of hope, be that hope dispenser for him, be that drug dealer, quote unquote, give him hope, share this episode with him. You just never know how it might change in his life. Or if you're a woman listening, ditto if you have somebody who's going through betrayal. So that's everything for today. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your support. Have an amazing day. I'm cheering you on. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Hey everybody, it's Thea again. Thanks for listening to Unleash the Man Within. I wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a free ebook that I wrote for you called The Ultimate Guide to Porn Recovery. 
It provides a basic framework for the recovery process and a few of my top tips completely free of charge. You can get it now at www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. That's www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. Now, if you've been impacted by the podcast and you want to show some support in less than 60 seconds, there are three ways you can do that. First, you can leave a rating or review on your podcast platform. This lets people like you know that the content here is valuable. Secondly, you can share this episode with someone in your life that might benefit from the content. If you're passionate about helping other people experience freedom and success in their lives, this is one of the easiest ways to do that. And lastly, you can subscribe. I personally only listen to the podcast that I subscribe to. If you're seeking daily encouragement, guidance, and insight in your recovery journey, I highly recommend subscribing to Unleash the Man Within. Thanks for listening. I look forward to connecting with you very, very soon. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast by Sathya Sam and his guests are for general information only and should not be considered medical, clinical, or any other form of professional advice. Any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk.